everybody, if you're a regular listener Norm. to the podcast, you know why you're hearing my voice. Even though there's that little red letter E on this episode, my daddy sometimes says you can never be too careful. I mean, unless you actually are being too careful, daddy, then obviously you are being too careful. Am I right? Anyway, someone on Twitter said the word agent about me to my daddy, so he's having me record new censorship spots before recording rates go up. So just be aware, the language in this episode gets not so kid-friendly at times. I'm warning you now, so don't shake your fist at my daddy in your car or wherever you're listening to this. So I've officially done my part and earned a little extra spending money. Now when I say little, I mean little. So I'm ready to be your client, Rob, or anyone. Thank you so much. Now where's the money? Wilu Jung Sumping, which is welcome in Sundanese. Welcome to the Daddy Unscripted Podcast. My name is Tim Wheaton. I am the creator and the host of the podcast. I am here with the second part, I haven't done a two-parter in a little while, of my conversation with Dave Goldstein of the Beyond the Pond podcast. Thank you for coming back for this second part. This is not going to let you down. Okay, this isn't the, um, gosh, what are second parters that suck? Ace Ventura, part two. This isn't Caddyshack 2 or... I don't know, Major League 2, one of those kind of sequels. This is a great, this is, gosh, this might be like The Godfather Part 2 because it is as good as and potentially better than the original. Empire Strikes Back. This could be the Empire Strikes Back of this conversation with Dave. If that's for you guys to decide, I'm not going to put that on you, but you definitely are here for a very good second half to this conversation. I guarantee it. And before we get too much further, I will do my little bit of Osiris business. I want to tell you about a new show from Osiris, which is called After Midnight. It tells the story of Fish's groundbreaking festival on the eve of the new millennium, Big Cypress. Fish built a city for 80,000 fans in the Everglades and capped off the festival by playing for seven hours, ending the concert during sunrise on January 1st, 2000. This five-episode series includes interviews with band members Trey Anastasio and John Fishman, fans and crew, and looks back on one of the most unique performances in music history. Truly, you should go and find that podcast and subscribe. The first one came out earlier in November. You can catch up now and get there before it all closes out towards the end of the year in December. But this podcast is such a cool storytelling of that humongous event. Even, I think, palpable for non-fish fans as well. For music fans alone, you'll get to hear what it takes to build something like this and all that went into that. So again, make sure you check out After Midnight and check out osirispod.com for more information about that and for other podcasts that are coming out soon by the network. 
Okay, and with that part of business done, I will just let you guys know that Daddy Unscripted is very proud to be part of the Osiris Podcast Network. Osiris is partnered with jambase.com, which gets all of you out there connected with the bands and the music that you love, and they will always help you to go see live music. A very important part of my life and to probably a lot of you as well. So with all of that said... That's all the business I'm going to do. Let's get to the second half because it is so good and I don't want to make this episode too crazy long. There's a lot in here and I can't stress that enough. Like if you are a parent for you dads, for you moms out there, there is some, I cried. I didn't tell, I didn't tell Dave and I may not tell, uh, maybe I will over social media before this comes out or something like that, but I was tearing up during this episode, during some of his stories about their trials and tribulations with their youngest daughter and what they went through between the birth of their two girls and what they went through, um, the stories of the surgery for his youngest daughter at under three months of age, which I, I'm not going to spoil all of it. You're going to have to listen to this episode, but also the remarkable relationship with Dave and his dad. And again, another strong foundation of father son that carries through the line of families of generations and which brings great things from that. So kind of a cool lesson in there for all of us dads. And we talk a lot about that in different ways in this episode. And I'm going to stop telling you what's in the episode because you're just going to need to listen to it. But And to refresh your memory, in case you didn't just come from episode one, we are talking right now about the transition from Dave and his wife moving from their first child that they had their own little struggles with health-wise and with her birth and everything into their decision to now become a two-child family. So let's get right to that with Dave Goldstein. We figure, all right, let's throw like a monkey wrench into that and um, we can have the kids be like four years apart. So just like the first time around, getting pregnant wasn't very difficult. And we figured, all right, there was a due date. I think it was going to be around my birthday. Mm. It's going to be September 24th of 2018. And we're like, wow, this is awesome. So we're going to have one kid who's got a birthday in October. My birthday is in September. Our other daughter's birthday will be around like September, October. You know, we'll be having these like awesome fall celebrations. Mm -hmm. So everything was going swimmingly. We had, um, it was Mother's Day in May of 2018. My parents came in and we went and had lunch at um, one of our favorite Italian restaurants. And I remember this clearly because I had a virus that evening. So I was waking up and I was like throwing up. I had like some sort of 24 hour bug. And the next day I had to make a court appearance in um, Staten Island, New York, which requires taking a ferry. So my wife had an ultrasound. She's like, you don't have to come to the ultrasound. I know you, you got court. You're not feeling so great. So, you know, go to court, do what you got to do. So I, I had it coming out both ends at the Staten Island courthouse 
Wasn't that awesome? Mm, it doesn't sound awesome. No, it was certainly not. By the time I took the ferry back, I was able to keep the Gatorade down, which was good. So I took a nap, and then the phone rings. My wife, I figure she's just going to come home from the ultrasound. I'm half awake. I said, hey, honey, what's going on? She says, at the ultrasound, things are not good. Something bad has happened. Mm. And I said, okay. She said, yep, at 20 weeks, they're doing the ultrasound. And they say, the doctor says that uh, the fetus doesn't have a corpus callosum, which is basically doctor speak for the thing which connects the left and right hemispheres of the brain. Mm. So it's a serious brain defect. Mm -hmm. I think technically you can live without one, but besides the brain can't communicate. So you, I think they say you don't know weights, you don't know depths. And I think the doctor said something like, Oh, they did a study and it turns out like a lot of, like career criminals and prisoners, it turns out that after they did a study, they had this issue in their brain as well. Well, that's fucking great. Oh, geez. Exactly. So she's like, we'll talk about it more when I get home, but I just need you to go out and pick up her other daughter, Hannah, because I kind of can't deal with that right now. And then Mm -hmm. she said, you want to talk to the doctor? She's right here. I said, okay. And then I picked up and the doctor, you know, just matter of fact said, oh, you know, we're going to, just to make totally sure this is what we're seeing, we'll do an amniocentesis, we'll do an MRI, but if it is what we think it is, then you may want to consider termination. So, mm. and I remember so much about the next few days. I remember that when we went to get the MRI, it was pouring outside and the Mets were losing in embarrassing fashion to the Toronto Blue Jays. And the Mets center fielder broke his toe on the last play of the game when the Mets are already down by nine runs. And I just remember sitting next to her during the amniocentesis, just thinking to myself, all right, we already know how this is going to go. So why the hell are they subjecting my wife to more tests? Because that mm-hmm. just seems really shitty. And after all the results came back, nothing had changed. So after it wasn't even that much of a discussion, we just said, all right, we're very fortunate that we live in a state that will like allow us to terminate no questions asked, but there is no alternative. We're not going to bring a child with brain with a brain defect into the world. It's not fair to us. It's not fair to our daughter. It's not fair mm-hmm. to like anybody to have to, you know, bring a kid with this issue in. So I think the following Monday, uh, my wife underwent a procedure at NYU Langone. And I mean, it, it went relatively fine, but just the rest of that summer was pretty awful because, you know, I'm sure went from being excited to have a child. And then at 20 weeks, you have the ultrasound and it comes down. Oh, okay. Your first child is really happy and healthy, but, Number two, I mean, I think they called it like the odds of this happening was like being struck by lightning. It was Mm. very, very uncommon. So when I turn on the news and hear about things in the state of Georgia, with the heartbeat bill, the state of Missouri, these like so-called pro-life zealots 
passing these laws that make it very difficult or extremely hard to get an abortion, even in the case of um, something where you know that the baby is going to be born with a serious defect that's going to affect the quality of life. It just, mm-hmm. it always made me angry, but now it makes me like, when that comes on the screen, I have to leave the room. It just makes me furious. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing, it's one thing to be pro-life, but at the same time, you can be pro-life and still be pro-child, which is to say that, you know, you can still, you know, encourage that children get born, but they get born to parents who actually want to have children and that those children be healthy and that they're not going to be like a huge, huge burden on parents who don't want them when they come out. I mean, you know, am I, is that make sense the way that I'm phrasing it? Yeah, yeah. Like just um, people call themselves pro-life, but then once the baby's born, they don't care. All they want, right? They just want. I mean, they just all they care about the people. All these like the very the right wing, the evangelicals. All they care about is the child is born, and then once it's born, they don't really give a fuck what happens. So that's to me, it just disgusts me. That's mm-hmm. all. I mean, that's really. All I have to say about the subject, except that really uh, support your local Planned Parenthood as much as you possibly can. I know we definitely um, a charity that we've contributed to like quite a bit over like the past few months. But ultimately, we decided, you know, I mean, this is a setback, but we still really want to have a second kid. I mean, we know we always wanted to have two. We didn't want to have more than two, but you know, we still wanted to go forward. So I think after the summer was over, after some discussion, we decided we were ready to try again. And we found out again, I think it was, um, I want to say August that my wife was pregnant and the due date would be May of 2019. Mm. So we're like, good, that's great. You know, we can't alter the past. The past is the past. We can, um, you know, try it again, and they said that the odds of that thing happening again were so in- incredibly slight that it really isn't anything to be concerned about. So we go for, I think, the 20-week ultrasound, which was in December of uh, 2018. And we noticed that the woman doing the ultrasound, you know, she's kind of like fiddling around with stuff. She's like fiddling, making a lot of extra photos, not really talking to us, a little little suspicious, not the usual like jaunty, happy Eastern European woman who's most of the people doing like NYU Langone ultrasounds. Mm-hmm. Look at this and look at that. And exactly. Look at yeah. This, yeah. This, this is the kidneys, the lungs, the heart. Mm-hmm. I've been, I feel like I've been to so many fucking ultrasounds. I don't know what they're looking at. <laughs> it's like, it's incredible. You can be trained to see these like masses of like gray blobs on the screen. Like, oh yeah, that's the kidneys. That's the foot. Yeah. That's the leg. So she leaves and comes back with a doctor. And at this point, my wife can tell something isn't quite right. And she's just Mm -hmm. gone into like a state. She was, she says she doesn't like remember anything that happened. She just was like, both like crying and trying to sleep at the same time. Just thinking like, you're fucking kidding me. Yeah. I'm sure you guys are like in total. Yeah. preparation mode right like this is happening again like i cannot we could not believe it so what um the ultrasound technician saw 
was a thing in the baby's heart called the VSD, which stands for um, vent- I think it's ventricular sept- uh, septal defect, which is basically it's a hole in the heart. Mm. And so what we did was that knowing our past history, they got us over to um, another office at um, NYU Medical Center where they could do a fetal echocardiogram. Is to have um, like a children's cardiologist was on site. So they were able to do, um, you know, I guess double check what the, what the ultrasound technician found and see if this is, you know, if this is what they say it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So my wife is still like practically catatonic at this point. So we go over and there's um, a little bit of craziness. I'm saying like, we need to see like the cardiologist now. I'm getting kind of pushy. I'm getting to like a bit of like an asshole phase myself at this point. Mm-hmm. So like, the cardiologist comes out. He's like, I'm told like, you know, someone like has to leave or they're like, in a hurry. So they got to do like an echo. I'm like, yeah, that's us. It's like, okay. So the echocardiogram gets done and he, the uh, pediatric cardiologist says, um, you know, yes, there does appear to be a hole, but from what I can tell, it's very small. And unlike what happened to you before, these VSDs, they're extremely common. We see them in almost like 20% of children that are born. And usually mm. they just close up on their own. Because as the child grows, they grow smaller and smaller and they close up. And from what I can tell, this is small. So yeah, you know, it's something to look at. But in the grand scheme of things, I wouldn't be that concerned about it. So mm. to me, this was a big relief. She can live with it. We found it early. It's being monitored. And, you know, every ultrasound we went for after that, they would say, yeah, it's there. It's still there. It's not really getting any smaller, but everything else is beautiful. The kid has a big, beautiful brain. Nothing to worry about there. Every other aspect of your daughter, as it turns out, looks like, you know, perfectly, perfectly great. She went for another echocardiogram. The cardiologist said, yeah, there's a hole there. There might even be like a second hole there. I can't really tell because, you know, it's still, it's difficult when she's like in the womb, you know, after she's born, we'll do like an echocardiogram on her and we'll be able to tell what's really going on. So our second daughter, Aviva Josephine Davis Goldstein was born on... May 6th of 2019. And I was happy she was born on May 6th because that's one of um, the all-time classic Grateful Dead shows being May 6th, 1981 from Nassau Coliseum. Unbelievable. He's uh, I love it. Yeah, she had a very good on this day in, in, in Grateful Dead history. Mm-hmm. So this was different because this time around it was a scheduled C-section. I think they say after you have one C-section, it's, um, it makes more sense just to just to do it again. I'm not sure yeah. exactly why. But, yes, it was great. It was scheduled. We went in at like 11 o'clock, and then she popped out at 12.19. Yes, oh, everything wow. was – actually, it was more like, like 10.30. They got my wife set up. Anesthesiologist was a very nice guy. He was like telling us jokes, making her feel better. It was just very, very smooth process. No, she came out at 1219. And whereas with our first child, with Hannah, I recall 
from getting her out to getting her in my arms was about 45 seconds. They cleaned her off extremely quick and just gave her to me. With Aviva, she was, they were doing like a lot of tending to her. A lot of, I mean, it Mm -hmm. probably took them like 10 or 15 minutes. They had to clear some fluid from her lungs. There was like over my right shoulder, she was like being tended to by three different pediatric nurses. I'm like, is everything okay? Like, yeah, it's fine. Just getting some more fluid out of her lungs. She's good. Are you sure? Like, yep. Mm-hmm. Totally fine. Don't worry about it. And then they gave her to me and she was like passed out. Whereas, I mean, obviously if you come out of the womb, you're going to be a bit tired. Remember, you know, they always say, don't compare your kids to one another. I just recall it. Yeah. Anna was wide eyed and smiley and crying. And Aviva was just, you know, had her eyes closed. Mm-hmm. Okay. If she's a bit more sedate. That's fine. Whatever. I mean, that's just the way it is. And so I actually uh, both times really enjoyed being in the hospital, being on like the mama baby wing. You know, it kind of felt like being like a fun hotel because everyone else is there. There's like newborns. You like mm-hmm. walked in other dads in the hallway and gave them like high fives. And I tried to think like, yeah. you know, are, are there other dads around here wearing like cool band shirts? Like I <laughs> wear a fish shirt hoping to get like a thumbs up so i enjoyed our time in the hospital and things were going totally fine just you know a time to like um relax our other daughter was um with grandma and grandpa in connecticut so you know and Aviva is passing all of her tests she passed her hearing test she basically she's passing everything with flying colors and then it comes time for her uh to do the echocardiogram giving her history so she gets it done, and then um, a different children's cardiologist comes and talks to us, and she basically says, okay, the holes are still there. There's multiple holes, and the two holes are larger than we had initially thought. Hmm. Maybe they'll close on their own, but it's something we definitely want to monitor going forward. And this doctor had a very uh, matter of fact, not much like bedside manner. Didn't say like, oh, your daughter's so cute. Congratulations. You know, that type mm-hmm. of thing that you would expect of somebody who deals with children on a day-to-day basis. Um, so that kind of brought us down a bit. And then mm-hmm. Jessica was like, you see, I told you so. Like everyone's saying, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But this kid's heart has holes in it. And I just said, well, you know, that's something we'll monitor. We'll bring her home. We'll bring her back to the cardiologist in two weeks. We'll do like another echocardiogram and we'll see what can be done. But at the same time, I felt in my heart of hearts, like, what's going to happen to our daughter? This Mm -hmm. is our third attempt at having a child. You know, is she going to be, basically, is she going to be okay? And because she's so young, I almost found myself having like a difficult, really difficult time connecting with her. Just thinking, what's going to happen? Is she going to be like this forever? Is it going to be fixed? Is it going to require surgery to get fixed? Should I, I I feel awful telling you this and thinking like, should I not get too attached? Should I not get too attached to my second daughter comes, what the fuck is going to happen? 
But, you know, I mean, we brought her home. She's definitely breastfeeding much better than our first daughter ever did. She had a much better latch. My wife was in a lot less pain. And, you know, for the most part, she was a pretty happy child, other than the fact that she definitely was breathing much heavier than Hannah ever did. Like I could see her stomach, like, you know, kind of like go in and out at the point where you could see her ribs and thinking, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's normal. And we did see the cardiologist, the same cardiologist who came to the hospital, did the echo and basically came in. And at that point I was actually feeling pretty good because Aviva, she'd been eating, she'd been doing well. She was sleeping through the night. Like, you know, she was not a very difficult kid to raise. My feeling is, okay, if she's eating, she's making noise, and she's crying, and she's basically exhibiting everything that a normal baby's exhibiting, then things should be fine. Maybe these holes are starting to close on their own. But as we're sitting there waiting for the doctor to come in, my wife turns to me and says, I bet we're about to eat a lot of shit. And I said, no, I don't think so. She's like, no, I know what's going to happen. We're about to eat shit. And the doctor comes in and she says, yes, there's holes. These are the size of the holes. One's like 10 millimeters. One I think is like eight millimeters, which when you think about the size of a baby's heart is not insignificant. And then she said, really at this point, it's not a matter. She's not in heart failure now, but it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And she's Mm -hmm. probably going to need surgery. And I wanted to tell her, boy, you didn't fucking sugarcoat that at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, you gave it to us straight. And I appreciate your candor, but in uh, our fragile state, especially given our past history, you might have phrased that a bit differently. You know, when you use the words heart and failure, I just, I just completely lost my appetite. Yeah, it was just, I'm just sitting yeah. there looking at my wife. And then this lady, uh, you know, the doctor's like, Maybe surgery three months down the line, maybe six months down the line, but you should make an appointment in two weeks because it's something we're going to have to monitor. And then as she left, she said, like, oh, she's really so cute. She looks like you. I wanted to be like, oh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> A little too late. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. She's doing her job in terms of, I mean, she was like, right. She, well, there wasn't anything incorrect about what she was saying. It's just, as a cardiologist who deals with babies and children, you got to change your game up a little bit. So we made an appointment to come in in two weeks. We actually have my mother wanted to come along because, you know, she wanted to be like a third set of years, maybe take some notes and kind of like feel this guy out and see what he had to say. So after this ultrasound, you know, he sits us down you know, and he basically says the same thing that the other, uh, the other cardiologist said, but you know, he couched it in a different way. He basically said, yeah, you know, this is, it's serious and she is going to need surgery. However, it's a type of surgery that, you know, for the type of doctors that we have here at NYU, this is a slam dunk. This is what they do all the time. And if they can't fill the holes, they can do something that's called a, uh, a pulmonary band, where I think um, they would shrink the pulmonary artery and then make the heart grow, and then they could go back in and do it. 
basically, I mean, without this, she wouldn't grow because she was breathing so heavily that any of the calories that she was gaining, she was wasting just by having to breathe so much to survive. Wow. So the whole point of this was to make it so her heart would be more normal, ease the stress on the heart, and then she could gain weight, take calories and grow and for all intents and purposes, someday be like a perfectly normal child. So she had the open heart surgery on July 9th. We took her home from the hospital five days later. And fortunately, the story has a happy ending because the surgery seems to have been a smash of success. And now she's just, now she eats like she's never seen food before which is where mm. it used to be. It would take her about 40 minutes to drink two ounces. Now she'll like inhale two ounces in like 10 minutes. It's crazy. It was like a night wow. and day and she's had such That's crazy. a more pleasant disposition, much more smiley. Like we can keep her in her baby Bjorn um, for like 30 minutes at a time. And she's totally happy with it. It used to be, we'd put her in that and she'd be screaming after three minutes. It's just had a huge effect on her disposition and her eating. It's like a different kid. Mm-hmm. That being said, the run-up to the surgery, day of the surgery, and the initial recovery was like levels of parental stress I wouldn't wish on anybody. I mean, you say to yourself, how can this two-month-old get like literally cut open? Yeah. The heart is stopped. They had to put her on the heart and lung machine while the work gets done and then zip back up. But it was, I put a lot of faith in the surgeons and they were right. They were able to do the surgery. They were able to do it successfully. And now we have two very happy children and I'm looking forward to the future. But certainly between number attempts at number two and then um, what happened to our second daughter, it was a hell of an 18 months, man. Let me tell you. Yeah, I'll say it was uh, it was a rough go. I even told her recently, like, you know, I had a hard time connecting with Aviva because I kept saying to myself, is she going to die? And should I get too attached? Like it was even when I would have her in the stroller and people would come up to me and say, like, you know, you must be so happy. Your daughter is like so cute. I'd just be like, thanks, thanks, yeah. and not being able to enjoy it. And I felt terrible that I couldn't enjoy my daughter, but now now I can. So, What a psychological cycle to be in on each of those instances, you know, like feeling that turmoil of kind of the survivalistic separation that you were trying to kind of go through and yet the feeling of especially as a parent already like knowing what you're kind of supposed to be feeling and what quote-unquote normalcy was with you for Hannah like god I can only imagine the mind maze you were in exactly it's a good way of putting it I'm thinking Hannah loves her sister. What's going to happen if one day, you know, she doesn't make it out of surgery? What happens if right. something happens afterwards? I mean, like how 
on earth am I going to explain that to Hannah? Because we actually, we sent her away um, to my parents' house for the week. She didn't really know why she was there. She just loves grandma and grandpa and they love her. So mm-hmm. she just got to have like a fun week at Kent, grandma and grandpa going to McDonald's more than any kid should be allowed to go to McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. And then after it was done, we showed her, you know, Aviva had a bit of a boo-boo, but she's fixed. And you can take a look at where she had a boo-boo. And then she was like, oh, oh, whoa, wow, look at that. Oh, but, but she's mm-hmm. better? Okay, great. Where's the iPad? <laughs> but they're extremely cute together now. Like Hannah will coo at Aviva and Aviva will coo back. Like They'll have these little like cooing conversations. She likes mm-hmm. singing to her, like singing her like a lullaby before we put her to sleep. She keeps saying, like, she's so cute. Baby's so cute. She's so cute. So I feel... You know, my heart is very full. Yeah. And I almost feel like there's a time when it wasn't. But now we're uh, we're in a good spot going forward. You know, I'll never, until she gets a bit older, I'll still always be thinking like, okay, the heart was patched. Are the patches going to leak? Is she going to be able to fight off colds like other kids? Mm-hmm. You know, it's always in the back of my mind that while she's doing very well, the heart was repaired. Yeah. And you know, what's going to repairs break at some point, you know, which is normal. I mean, for you to think that, like I can only imagine, I don't think that that's incredibly out of place. Like you said, like you said it perfectly that you guys are good going forward. And now that you guys are able to, do just that like i can imagine the feeling of pause on anything and everything like should we be buying clothes for the next phase exactly like all that stuff just i i can completely imagine that yeah that's exactly right it was the pause it's the clothes should we be getting stuffed animals for the next phase people are sending us toys Mm mm-hmm it was like someone had pressed the pause button on our lives for several months. And to the credit of my mom and dad, they've been incredibly awesome throughout this whole ordeal in terms of, you know, taking care of Hannah when we were unable to, you know, being very positive. Mother is an extremely positive person. Like she was always, you know, asking her friends, do you know anybody who had a baby who had this situation. She'd always be like sending us like printouts online from, you know, you don't want to rely on Dr. Google. Right. They were always mom and dad were a very, very good sounding board. So I kind of, I feel fortunate to have uh, parents and by proxy grandparents for Hannah and Aviva that were so, um, you know, so willing, willing to help out, willing to, to be there for it really makes me want to makes you want to be the best dad I can be having just having viewed all that. So, geez, man. Yeah. <laughs> when I mean, when you hit me up on Twitter, like, and said that the last, however long, I can't remember what time span you had said, but it had been a roller coaster. I, I remember seeing stuff about, because listening to some of the podcasts and hearing that you were absent and whatever, and then hearing that you were back and that um, your kid's surgery was successful 
and then starting to kind of get a little bit of taste of that, but I had no idea the full extent of it. So, um, well, wow. It felt good to say it. I mean, if there's any, you know, I'm totally willing to be a resource. If there's any other moms and dads out there that have kids going through something similar, you know, that facing the prospect of surgery, I know, um, we didn't speak with a social worker. There was a social worker who actually came in once when we were in the hospital for the first time. There was a social worker who came and kind of spoke to us for 10 minutes and was really good at articulating what we were feeling at the time. She gave us a card. I mean, we didn't speak with her again only because the sequence of events happened so quick. Mm-hmm. Because the first cardiologist said, yeah, she'll probably have surgery in six months. And then the second one said, if they can fill the holes now, there's no reason to wait. Because I know that you're going to want to put her in like daycare and you're going to have to go back to work. So let's just get this done sooner than later. But there kind of mm-hmm. wasn't any time to go speak with the social worker. But I would, you know, me and my wife, my wife is very active in Facebook moms groups. She is always tell me all this stuff from mom's groups. And she was in heavy communication with some other moms whose kids went through something very similar. So if anyone hears on the podcast, I'm more than happy to be a resource or someone to talk to. Cause I know I think it's, it happens to people. A lot of the times they just don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But with, um, this other attorney I work with, who's, um, I think she's about 20 years older than I am. She gives me a lot of, a lot of work. As she often gives me some overflow and her children are grown up and I think she's recently become a grandmother for the second time. Like I told her everything and she just said, parental stress never goes away. Mm-hmm. I'm in my early sixties and I still have parental stress. I still worry about my kids. It just doesn't go away. It's just something yeah. you're going to have to learn to live with. It's the worst. But if you're dealing with this now, maybe it'll help you out down the line. Yeah. And, and right on down the line and continual, like, you know, for your parents dealing with you guys with this, like the both sides of the coin as grandparents concerned for their grandkids, but also, you know, worrying for, but, but being content or happy in some way to be able to be there for you guys is another side of that for them as well. Exactly. I mean, I will say one of the happiest days of my life was when Aviva went in for the surgery in the morning. They said, you know, once she goes in, there's anesthesia. It'll take, I mean, all likelihood she'll probably like be ready. You'll be able to see her like six or seven hours after the fact and someone will call you. So we thought, okay. So I think we went and got lunch Went back home, watched some episodes of The Sopranos. And as it's getting, you know, it's like four o'clock, five o'clock, not hearing anything. At this point, we're both a bit terrified. So we're like, you know what? Let's just like go to the hospital. We're not doing ourselves any good here. At least maybe at the hospital, we'll get like a better idea. So I think we get to the hospital around six o'clock. We speak with, um, I guess, the receptionist on the floor where she's going to be in recovery. And right away, she's like, makes a phone call, says, okay, she's going to be coming up in about a half hour and the surgeon will, you know, come and speak to you. Like, Okay. 
So she's out of surgery. Yeah, she's out of surgery. She's going to come up in like a half hour. So we say, okay, great. So we go to the waiting area and the guy who performed the surgery, we see him walk in. For some reason, he doesn't see us, but he's looking like perfectly clean and content, kind of like checking out his phone, not sweating. Mm-hmm. Looks like he just didn't perform open heart surgery on a baby. And he's looking yeah. up, he's, he's like, oh, there you are. Oh, they told me that you were in this room. I didn't see you, you know, ships passing in the night. He's just being really casual. <laughs> okay. And he said, the surgery went great. I filled the holes. She's not going to need the band. She's not going to have to come in again. I think she'll get out of recovery and you'll see her eating will be different. Her breathing will be different. And then he walks over to like the coffee machine. He said, the coffee here is really good. He's like, I don't know if you guys love coffee. I love coffee. I would highly recommend you like drink some coffee for this machine before you go home. And I'm like, thanks, Dr. Kumar. Okay. That's awesome. Clearly, you're very unconcerned. So we're unconcerned. That's a huge weight off our shoulders. Mm-hmm. I like called my mom and she like started crying when I told her. So I think she was like even more relieved than we were. I mean, similarly mm-hmm. relieved, but we said, okay, so if the surgeon is joking and drinking coffee and like slapping us on the back, that's a good thing. Yeah. We weren't totally out of the woods with the stress. Certainly to see your kid, like all these tubes in her is a bit of a shock. But yeah. after the second night of her recovery, she had some tubes out and she was alert and, holding her hand and kind of like talking to us a little bit, making some noises. So by then it was kind of smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, if anyone hears this and wants to talk, reach out to Tim, I would be more than happy to do it because it's, uh, it's very stressful. Yeah. So, <laughs> to put yeah, it very lightly, to put it lightly. Yeah. But we're doing well. And, um, taking Hannah to her first baseball game in two Sundays, not this Sunday, next Sunday. So that is all just like insanity. I'm very happy for you and relieved that you guys are, again, like in a much better place moving forward, um, being able to be relieved yourselves. And I, I, I say I can imagine, but I basically pretty much can't like all of that that you guys went through and the and the vast difference in what you're describing about how much uh, she is thriving now yes. must just be amazing. Yes, it is amazing. So people can reach out. You don't have to reach out to me directly. You can reach out to Dave. What all are your other presences? I know mm. of your Twitter, but tell people where they can reach you. And we barely talked about Beyond the Pond, but... Oh. Um, <laughs> But they can find you there as well. And I don't know, give give all of your areas of social world. Let's see. Hit me up on Twitter at DaveG924. I, when I started Twitter, I didn't realize you could have a fanciful name. So I just took uh, my name, my first, last initial, and my birthday, 924. So yeah, definitely ah. on Twitter. In terms of, uh, yeah, the Beyond the Podcast, that's the podcast that me and um, good buddy and fellow dad and fellow daddy unscripted subjects, yeah. Brian Brinkman has become one of my closest friends. 
That is the podcast in which we utilize the music of Fish as a means of list, introducing the listener to other bands. Feeling that we love Fish fans. Sometimes uh, they focus too much on Fish and forget that there's a shitload of other incredible bands out there. So we try to, um, Fish is what gets you in the door, but stay for the the other awesome bands which you are going to discover. I think we just recorded our 74th episode. So we've been uh wow. We've been at it for some time. So yeah, I think it's the weekend the weekend work brackets do not help. Uh what you mean they don't help in the sense that um that we should listen to other music. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> that's that's true. It's been our Twitter feed um at underscore beyond the pond has been incredibly fish focused lately. That feed is usually about seventy percent Brian, thirty percent Dave. But yeah, exactly. The weekend whoop brackets have got me listening to all kinds of fish. But yeah, no, yeah. definitely. I think the best way to get in touch with me is probably on Twitter. Either just um at me or like do direct message, and then we can always take it offline. And if you um, think that you might be into the fish from Vermont, listen to the Beyond the Pond podcast. We're good at what we do. Yeah. I will say, like, for even non-fish people, the bands that you guys have opened my eyes to, and and I wouldn't have even had to pay attention to any of the fish stuff, like just the bands that I never knew about that you guys have turned me on to through the podcast has been bountiful. And and you guys can also look up, they. so I'll just say this, not only are a lot of your episodes and your upcoming episodes like best album lists of specific years, mm. but for all of you on Spotify, you should find Beyond the Pond there because your playlists are fantastic as well. Yeah, it's a playlist that has like 400 songs in it. Because we, the uh, Beyond the Pond podcast master Spotify playlist, it's gotten quite unwieldy at this point. Mm-hmm. Just press shuffle and have yourself a grand old time. Because, yeah, yeah we always encourage listeners, don't use Spotify exclusively because um, it's not a good way for artists to make money. You should be going to concerts. You should be buying vinyl. You should be buying CDs. You should be buying merchandise. Like, do anything in your power to... Um, shoot some real money towards the artists that you love. But Spotify is, once you have bought those vinyl records, Spotify is great just to like, you know, have a convenient way to sample and make playlists and put it on in your car and whatnot. But, you know, we encourage, uh, we like to call responsible Spotify usage. Yeah, it's funny. I always get raised eyebrows when, because I, I will buy, I don't even really stream I don't, sorry, I know this is a big sponsor on a lot of Osiris podcasts. I haven't done one yet, and maybe this is why, but I don't stream on nugs.net, even though, like, you are paying a monthly fee, and I'm sure some of that goes to the artists. Yeah. Like, I'll actually buy, the, no, I, I buy the Umphreys shows that I want to listen oh, okay. to. okay, okay. Yeah, so I know it's great, and I know it's there. I just literally will go through there to buy the actual shows, even like recently just they posted something about Bruce Springsteen and I just this year have started actually listening to Bruce Springsteen. Took me forever. Yeah, it took I mean it took me 46 years. So uh but I know you guys have also other stuff on your podcast that are band specific, your Radiohead episode. 
or episodes was that two parts that was a two-parter yeah that was a two-parter yeah with, uh, amazing mike menio lawn memo on, on twitter, twitter. Yeah. so good and then i i remember because when i recorded with brian i was i think we talked like hey maybe you can be on mine and i can be on yours and um, I think we talked way back then about maybe doing an Umphreys one. And then I was like, Ooh, maybe you guys haven't done a U2 one. Cause I know you guys love U2. Huh. And then I went back and saw that you had. And then at one point I was like, Ooh, maybe they haven't done a Prince one. And I was really thinking about that the other day. And then I was like, there's no way you could never do a Prince one because it would get shut down like so quickly if you played any music on it at all. That's so, true. Plus, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Prince, so prolific, especially in the 2000s and 2010s. A lot of the more latter Prince albums, a lot of people didn't listen to. His mm-hmm. prolificacy would make that extremely difficult, all the different different phases. We got the U2 one with our buddy Ryan Nichols, who's on... Huge music fan, incredibly knowledgeable guy who I think is only 24 years old, which is is incredible with the amount of his knowledge of music. We did a Wilco deep dive with um, our buddy Josh Carver, who's Nola Sox, N-O-L-A Sox. He loves New Orleans and loves the Red Sox on Twitter. And yeah, we did Radiohead deep dive as well. Those are fun. Those are always cool. I mean, even like I love Radiohead and... Uh, it spun me into some um, stuff that I hadn't really paid enough attention to after that. So I love I love your guys' podcast. Yeah, we have some interesting things coming up. Nothing stopping the Beyond the Pond train anytime soon. Nothing. Yeah, which is a yeah, good thing. Yeah, we're very happy to be part of the Osiris Podcast Network because there's, uh, there's some great podcasts. I have to listen to the one you just did with Aaron from No Simple Road. I bet that's fascinating. I got to hear that. Yeah, it's a good one. I told him that I was, I almost felt like I was hoarding it to myself because I was taking so much time with it and edited it and then re-listened to it a couple times afterwards because it was so good. So not a pat on my back. That's all on him. Okay. So thank you so much for coming on and for telling all of those stories. And I think I speak for anybody listening that um, congratulations on you guys coming out the other side and really entering into this new phase with your kids. Thank you very much, Tim. And thank you for doing this. I love the podcast and I feel honored to have come on. It brings me a lot of joy to hear a lot of interesting dads tell their stories. So Thank you very much for letting me do it. Yeah, thank you. Okay, and that is the end of part two and the total of my conversation with Dave Goldstein. Dave, I can't thank you enough for that conversation. I can't thank you enough for your honesty, your willingness to dive into some of those very tough subjects and... I'm sure it's a little bit easier because of the relief that you and your family is feeling now, but my Lord, I just, I I cannot fathom, imagine, understand, comprehend some of what people all around us 
are going through and having to go through like what Dave was talking about and other things on a wide scale and range of emotions and decision making and not just with you know their own child but with with respect to a lot of other things there's those quotes by people that I'm seeing all over Instagram and Twitter nowadays of basically the gist of it remember that you have no idea what somebody else may be going through they may be struggling through something so massive when you meet them on the road or when they are your barista at a coffee place or they are somebody that you're passing by on the subway i'll make this very east coast for you east coast people um or it is somebody who is i don't know it could be anything and let's just remember that we have no idea what so many people are going through in their lives and how that ties into my general message that i give out a lot on here of the need for love in this world and the need for loving kindness and tenderness and human kindness and just being generous and lovely and kind and nice and friendly to others and how much that can mean because they may be at their wits end with some kind of crazy thing going on in their life that you cannot even imagine having to go through in your own. So let's remind that moving ahead, right? So check out Dave in all those ways. And again, absolutely, like he said, and I know I'm being very emphatic about this, but you should reach out to him if you feel so inclined to do so, if you have something going on like what he and his wife have been through. Uh, look him up on Twitter and send him a message, Dave G nine two four, and you should check out Beyond the Pond podcast. Find them on OsirisPod.com as well, and you can find Daddy Unscripted in every single place that you can think of. Uh, I shouldn't say that, not every place, but we are on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, all as Daddy Unscripted. You can send me emails at daddyunscripted at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought of this episode with Dave. Let me know, you know, the positive, the negatives, whatever feelings you have that come out of it. Um, I love having conversations. Yes, like I said to Dave, I'm not a fighter. I am not. Like, I... The only person I've ever punched in my life was my brother. (laughs) And whatever, that's a whole different podcast episode, a whole different story. But like, I'm up for conversation. Like, I love learning new things and hearing new angles on things and hearing different perspectives. So let's have a conversation. That's where all these good things come from and different perspectives. It's very important that we continue to do that. So you can send me an email if you want to do that. You can hit me up on a direct message on all of those social media platforms. And again, thank you to Umphreys McGee for allowing me to have their music. We added that little snippet in here from that 2014 show that we were talking about. And I just couldn't help myself. So we added that little bit of music on here. So thank you to Umphreys McGee for the partnership with this podcast, allowing us to have your music on here. Check out umphreys.com for more information on them and tour dates. And so you can see some of this music that we're talking about, etc. And again, jambase.com 
go see live music. I'm actually going to a concert tomorrow night with my brother. I'm very excited. And you should, if you love music, get out there. Go see a live show. Just like Dave was saying with his dad. It may not be somebody that you know or that you love or whatever, but I think... And this is just my opinion, so you don't have to agree with me, but I think there is something very good and important and real about being at a concert, being surrounded by other people who love the music that you are listening to. It's just kind of a cool experience, right? Just like a sports game. Go to a sports game also. Uh, We are not supported by MLB.com, but if they want to support this podcast, bring it on, guys. Um, And much like I did welcoming you in Sundanese, I will now bid you goodbye by saying which is may you have a good day i hope you guys have a great day i am so thankful for you all being here and the next episode with amar sastri should be out in a couple of weeks so keep your eyes open for that that is another can't miss it's like must see tv here but it's must hear podcast have they made that must hear podcast TM trademarking that right now. And I'm going to go buy the rights to that or whatever it may be. So thanks you guys. Keep your eye out for the next episode. <laughs>